Hello, you're listening to Northern Stage's third podcast. And when we say podcast, we mean a conversation. A conversation we held on Tuesday the 14th of April across a range of homes in Newcastle and Gateshead. It's a conversation with me, Mark Calvert, and the House of Love that are the creative force behind the Bon Bon's Cabaret. House of Love is Cameron Sharp, Rebecca Gandinning, Hattie Easton, Max Easter, Rianne Bowes and Brennan Flanders, who wasn't available at the time of recording. The House of Love were due to perform at Northern Stage this Saturday, the 8th of April. So in place of that, here they are, talking about everything from wigs to process, other work they're undertaking, and things they're watching and listening to. We hope you enjoy it. Now there's lots of the House of Love, and I'll let them introduce them themselves separately. Hiya, I'm Cameron. I'm Hattie. I'm Becky. I'm MXYM. And I'm uh, Rianne. Oh, nice to see you all via the, um, the digital mediums of uh, Zoom and Zencaster and that sort of thing. Um, so we're going to start this little bit of a chat um, with, um, uh, like, who is the House of Love? Um, like, who is it? Where did it come from? Well, it all really started with you, didn't it, Cameron? Because your Bonnie Love, we all took your name, really. Um, started, so it, when we did, it was, it was a BA, wasn't it? It wasn't the MA. It was a BA, yeah. Yeah. It was the BA at Northumbria. Yeah, yeah. When we, yeah. So me, Hattie and Becky all went to Northumbria, did various performance courses. And one of the modules you have to kind of pitch a pretend project as close to like real life stuff as you can. And for that, I did um, the Bonbons Cabaret as like a offside project to um, Bonnie and the Bonnets. And then when we came out of uni, I think me, Hattie and Becky were like, oh, let's see if it actually works. Um, and then, so the cabaret started, we did our first like trial one at Northern Stage and Stage 3. Um, and we didn't, the one at house as such then, it's just like we knew a couple of creatives that we wanted to work with. So Max did that one, um, Rianne did it as well. And then we had, sorry, Zoe Murtar, Anna, Anna Ryder, Ryder, and, and uh, Sophie Willen. Um, and then that were kind of our trial. And then that moved over to Alpha Betty Theatre um, on a more regular basis, um, like seasonal. So like every, is it like every two or three months, isn't it? Yeah. Two yeah. to three months, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and sti- uh, still at this point, I don't think there were a house really, were there? No, we knew, like we invited Max and Rianne to be like regular performers. I think we liked what they did and wanted more. So we were like, you can keep coming back. <laughs> Good. Seem <laughs> to work. Complicated. We'll have you. If we'll not. Have you yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll do. Um, and then, who did we ask first? I can't. I can't remember how it came about. The house. Well, Brennan had started doing the bonbons. Yeah. So Brennan is Bolivon Love. Just he just started doing drag, and then. Um, we were like, do you want to come and try your first performance at a bonbons? And he did. And it went really well. Um, so we were like, I think at that point, that's when we said, let's come together kind of thing. Um, it was organic. It wasn't like we didn't decide to make a thing. It just kind of happened. happened. Yeah. It's very it organic. Yeah. yeah. I think we just turned around one day and sort of said, we should probably call ourselves something mm-hmm. because we do come as a set now. Yeah. You can collect us all. Yeah. Like Pokemon. <laughs> yes. Pokemon, the house of love of Pokemon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> collect them all. And obviously in drag um, history, you have houses of people that perform together. Um, normally it's all drag queens, and, but ours is a bit different. No, I don't think we have, like, well, we don't all do so drag. So when you say a bit different... Mm-hmm. What is the bit different? I think it's the uh, like, well, you obviously have me, Hattie, and Becky who do drag, and Volavant who do drag. Rianne takes bits of drag, I would say. Yeah, I, t- I take uh, inspiration from drag, uh, yeah. but I wouldn't say what I necessarily do is drag. No, it's like burlesque, lip sync, yeah. comedy, cabaret. And I just do whatever I want. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. And then do music as well. I yeah. do music. Yeah. Um, so I think it's more of a, a cabaret collective than a drag collective. 
like we take all the bits of cabaret and each do different bits. So on that, just um, for people who are listening that haven't seen a House of Love or a Bonbons Cabaret, what can you expect? No, it's just a good laugh, isn't it? Uh, no, we say it's a a, a, what is it, a safe platform for dangerous work. And by that, we sort of mean cabaret artists can come and perform. And it's lovely when we've had uh, musicians and burlesque artists and comedians and drag kings and what else have we had? Drag queens. Drag queens. <laughs> uh, <laughs> people who are neither of those things. Um, and it's just, usually it lasts about two hours and we do numbers and all the acts do numbers and then we all get a group number at the end and it is just a massive party that never, it always goes to plan. There's always a couple of hiccups, funny hiccups. Of course. Everyone's safe. Um, but we just have a real good laugh. It's a bit of a riot, really. Cabaret riot. Cabaret riot. Now, cabaret maybe you could riot. sort of, you know, use that, you know, rather than gig theatre, you could use cabaret riot from now on. <laughs> you could invent a new form. Cabaret riot. Pioneers, that's what we are. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What have, um, what have, what are the things you've learned then in the last like five years about like the Northeast, you guys as makers, what it means to be a maker in the Northeast, um, that's for anyone. Well, I've definitely learned that there's a lot of amazing uh, things in the Northeast that I never really knew of before. Um, and these things have helped me progress as an artist because if I hadn't seen all this magical world of cabaret that the Northeast has to offer, but isn't necessarily shown all the time, um, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't be where I am right now. I wouldn't be making cabaret work or making my own show. So I think just the fact that there is amazing stuff in the Northeast has helped me progress. So I think it's nice because I think when me, Hattie and Becky started with Bonnie and the Bonnets, there wasn't really a massive platform for cabaret stuff. It either you had scratch nights or you had to have like a fully formed um, idea so, like, try and find somewhere in the middle for everyone to actually put together a full thing that isn't a scratch has helped us all. And, like, um, each cabaret, we have a guest act slot. So I think that allows us to interact with different artists, not just ourselves. And, like, like you say, Rianne, like, make sure we're still learning as we're going. Like, it, it doesn't have to be us all the time. Yeah, and the tour last year when we sort of took the Bonbons Cabaret, mainly to the, we did two shows, one in Nottingham, one in Derby, and then we also did Roundabout. And that was, we met lots of different cabaret artists from different scenes around the country. And that was really lovely to see how it differs, none better than the other, but just what different scenes exist out there. And then being able to share our stuff with them and vice versa. And it's lush because, we got to take our who we are down there and then next year hopefully some of them will be able to come up and see us and similarly I think as well it's getting to know the different audiences for this type of work and the sort of cabaret and queer work and events that they're already sort of exposed to and going to in comparison to ours and how we can fit into that and you know, I think as well, listening to your audiences and sort of taking on board the parts that they really enjoy and love every single time and taking on board the parts that they want more of and shaping our events to really ultimately be the night that they want, as well as always ticking that box of making sure we're doing enough of what we want to be doing within that as well if that makes sense and the whole point of the cabaret is to try stuff so like we've done stuff before and it absolutely does not work <laughs> well that's the whole point of it and i'd like to think like our audiences are totally there for us. like some of the best moments for me from a bonbons is when stuff doesn't necessarily work or go to plan yeah and i think that's something we've all learned just as individual people is how to deal with those moments and how to be a bit more because I know for me, like, I'm a control freak and like I like everything to go to a certain plan and I'll have like running orders set out and like the hosting gets written. And if 
and I think it took me a while to realize actually the best things come when you don't necessarily follow those 100%. And our audiences are so forgiving and they love when, you know, things don't quite go to plan and seeing how we, not only as our personas, but just as ourselves, clamber out of that situation um, and get things back on track. And it's nice then because at each event, you get this real lovely mix, I feel, of sort of precise, polished, bang on performances with a little bit of grit and like humanity thrown in, like we're still human, it's still live theatre, things are going to go wrong. And they love to see the human side of us. Well, the bottom line is that we're all a group of friends doing cabaret and we want the audience to feel that as well. I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's one of your strengths, like you can tell your old group of friends that you enjoy making work together. And that's one of the most powerful things about it, um, that you have really good chemistry together and trust. And because of that, I think audiences then trust you. Um, I've got a question for you. Um, how long does it take to develop a persona or know how your persona works in front of an audience? Is that trial and error? What's like the first time you go out as a persona? I feel like it's definitely trial and error. And I think for... Um, for me, Becky, and, you know, in some cases, Cameron as well, like we're taking the personas that we created in a theatre show yeah. and rolling with them in this um, event that keeps coming back. And, you know, so I've been being Bonnet One for I don't know how many years now, but I'm still finding new parts of her personality or I'm sort of, you know, experimenting with, you know, maybe one day she's a little bit more flirtatious and maybe one day she's feeling a little bit more shy and sort of just finding, like, I still I still have days where I'm like, I literally don't know who she is and I'm still figuring that out. And I've been, how long have we been doing Drag Me To Love and Bonbons now? I mean, three years? Four years? Four years. 2016, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Four years. So I'm still figuring that out. So it's, I don't think you ever stop learning about your persona. And it can change as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like when I started doing drag, God knows how many years ago, that were a different, a completely different persona than it is now. And then you get more comfortable as it as it goes on. You can start off and you're like, this is who she is and I've worked it out and this is this and this is what I do in this situation. And then something goes wrong and you're like, well, I haven't rehearsed for this, so I've just got to, just got to do it now. And I think it's a bit trial and error in that sense. You go out and you're like, I'm going to do it this way this time and you do not get the response that you're after. And it just keeps going until you're like, oh, this seems to work and I enjoy this and I'm going to keep doing that. And then you slowly build up an idea of who they are and what that rapport is with the audience, I think. I think with me, it's a bit of a, of a weirder thing because I don't, I don't do drag on me. Like it's, it's, It would be like if Cameron went on stage as Cameron, it would be very different if Cameron went on stage as Bonnie. Yeah. But I suppose it does have to be a bit of a... A character to some extent, like I, I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I think I'm a bit of a character on a day to day life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think if I, when I go on stage, it's a, it's heightened. Um, but it's like when we first started the bonbons, I was going by Maxim, and I think that Maxim is a very different character to ever I am. Um, I think, I think I just learned what an audience responds to best. And stuck with that within my own reins. Um, but no, it's strange because I, I don't see it as a separate person or a separate personality. But yours is, you, your persona, if we call it persona, Max, has changed, I'd say, from... Yeah, I think, I think that, that, that more comes from just um, feeling more confident and comfortable in performing. Um, like, I think when I first started, I wouldn't have been quite comfortable coming on stage in a wedding dress and screaming who wants to F is. But now it's like, if I don't come on stage in a wedding dress begging for sex, I think people will be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> people won't know who you are. Yeah, it's like, wait, have they got a new guy in the house? <laughs> it looked like MXYM, but I just, I wasn't sure. But it's not horny enough. It's not quite horny enough. <laughs> That's the thing with persona, though, is like, a persona can be something that is like so the other end of the spectrum to who you are as a person but then in the same breath it can just be a heightened version of you and I would argue that each and every one of us in the house our persona or our character however you want to phrase it I would say 
they are all heightened versions of like parts of our own personalities. So I absolutely, in, with that argument, would say that Max MXYM is a persona. Throwing my lead around. Um, so yeah, I think there are elements of like ourselves in all of our personas. I know mine definitely is. And it's about when to play that because sometimes like we all love a gimmick and we all love like really heightened moments. But then it's about when you can be quite relaxed and intimate with an audience. Like, like, yeah, Max, you'll come on stage in a wedding dress, but then you'll all have also have moments in your set where you're in your wedding dress, but it's you in a guitar singing a song and just talk to the audience. And I think it took you a little while to get to that. Like when you first started, you had like blood poured down you and like <laughs> oh, all yeah. these gimmicks and stuff. So I think a big thing for all of us is like learning to be selective with what we do a bit. Which is yeah, that's really skillful, isn't it? Because that's about as Becky was talking about earlier on about meeting loads of audiences and meeting different audiences, and uh, going through that process of like, understanding who you're in front of, and then what works. And going back to Max's point, so then what does work? What are the things that have worked that do work that you know you can pull out that will bring an audience back? What are your go-to moments? Um, each of you. Be willing to look ridiculous and ugly <laughs> and yes. stupid and um, be willing to take the mick out of yourself and your persona and not take yourself seriously or too seriously. Um, like we all, we all take the bonbons cabaret and the work we do and who we are. We do take it seriously in the sense of like this is our like livelihood and it's what we want to do and like you know the planning and the organization part of it but ultimately we're there to have fun and I think if you can't um relax and sort of be be the brunt of the joke um it's not going to work uh the audience love when you are happy to be laughed at or take having fun very seriously we'll go with that yes we do that could be on a T-shirt, couldn't it? I like yeah, it could. <laughs> I think it's like when they can see we're enjoying it. Like if we put numbers together, whether it's like a dance routine or like a lip sync or one of Max's sets, like say we've like planned a reveal, we're always very excited to like pull a skirt off and reveal what's underneath. And I think if the audience can see that we're excited, that gets them excited as well. And like I think the bonbons are beginning to have um, certain traits and like repeats over time that we know work and I think audiences pick up on that and look forward to that I think now because we're getting a lot more of like repeat audiences and like we're starting to build a following we can do that so like me and Max will always do like a Lady Gaga number now and that's kind of our thing and like and it's a good thing it is a good thing we do well and those are two how long does it take you to get comfortable with um choosing those moments because uh from what you're saying, it was it uh, a lot about uh, making new things constantly, and then when you've actually now found out what works in front of an audience, how long does it take you to get comfortable with like repeating standard motifs that run across a uh, bonbons cabaret night? I think it's based on like because the way we normally do it is like we set a theme or um, like a subject that each one's about, whether that's like uh, looking at different areas or looking at films. And then we kind of have a chat about what all of us want to do individually and whether we've got different ideas. Um, And then in there we like chuck stuff that we know. Like, I guess we have like a pool of different things that work, whether that's me and Max doing a number or Hattie and Max doing some singing or like me and Rianne doing a burlesque number together. Like we have different things that we can pull out depending on on the theme. I wouldn't say it's like new, but I think it's relatively new over the four years that we've been doing it. I think that's something that we've, as a house, come to probably in the last year or so. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's come from the audience. Like we know when their response to certain things is better than others and like speaking to them afterwards and stuff, we get to know which bits are their favourites and like what are the highlights and then try and put that in. But for a while, all we kept doing is like trying anything and everything. And But it's like with mine and Cameron's um, 
Gargoyle number, the first one we did with that was Monster. And like, as soon as we did that, it was like, well, that was great. That that went down really well. Everyone loved it. It was like really slick. And I was like, it would be stupid to not do that again. And like, we're always competing with ourselves. Like, we're all quite, um, <laughs> I speak for myself, quite egotistical people. Um, so I think we always like to bet, like like to better ourselves and like make sure that what that the quality that we're putting out gets better and better and constantly like elevating that as we can. Uh, how long does it take to put a night together? And it's not just. Uh, Let's have a chat. Let's go and do it. Is it? It's not done in a day. I mean, how long does it take to compile all the thinking, have all the conversations, rehearse the numbers, get the set lists together? How much work goes into it? A lot of that is it's a forever rolling thing. So we're in constant conversation, and Cameron and Alex, who's the Alex Fisher, is the producer for Bonbons Cabaret. The two of them, they're constantly having conversations and sending emails and doing, you know, the organisational parts. We're constantly on chat to each other, the house. So I would say, like, a lot of it's forever rolling. So you can't necessarily be like, oh, it takes us two weeks to put it, you know, you can't put the time limit on it, really. Uh, but in terms of being in the room, I mean, we take a few long days, don't we? We have some, like, long day rehearsals where we just get in. We'd rather take big big chunks of time and bash it all out rather than two hours here three hours there I would say and I think we're learning at like different um skills that and again I think this has been in like the past year that people have besides performing like and how they in terms of the organization how can they help with that so like me and Alex will do the main organizing but then Hattie and Becky are quite good at writing dialogue obviously Becky has like a technical background so it's good to have her on that in that mindset sometimes um and then brennan who's not on the chat volivant is quite weirdly really good at running orders so that that that's really helpful and very good at wigs and very good at wigs oh he's great at wigs yeah is he really good at wigs yes yeah. i'm missing brennan today i expect I to see his, his face anyway um, but on that, you're here, and that's the that's that's good enough for me. Um, so on this, what have been your the unexpected surprises and also challenges of working together as a house in the last three or four years? Organizing, organizing like six people is a lot, and like we all have a lot of needs and a lot of demands. Um, but I think. I think that's a like it's rare that you get to perform with this many people on a constant basis. So I think that's something that we all enjoy, um, and I think we just surprise ourselves because I think we're all like I think I speak for everyone in saying like we're all really supportive of each other and like we give quite honest feedback sometimes too honest, um, but that's part of it. It's like it's peer. It, it's like making sure that we all support each other, and I think as cheesy as it sounds, we're each other's biggest champions and like that's the cheesiest thing i've ever say and that's me being nice for the entire year and i'm not doing it <laughs> we've got it recorded now though it's, it's completely true though that like i wouldn't have done half of the things i've dared to do in my acts without these because all of all of these push me to do like the dangerous parts of burlesque that i would never have done before and that I've been terrified to do. I couldn't have done it without them telling me, like, go on, you like you know you want to. You're talking about like, getting your boobs out, Rianne. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it though. They I got did. off the chair. I've never done that for boobs. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I think that's that's been another challenge, like in the room, is just getting to grips with and getting really comfortable with how each one of us respond to ways of learning and working and how each of us just deal with a long day in a rehearsal room and you know we've been doing this for a long time now and there are still really challenging days where um you're not sure how to deal with someone in a particular mood and that you're still learning how we everyone ticks 
in a room like that. And um, we're, we're definitely getting to grips with it a lot better now, sort of. You can gauge earlier if someone's having an off day or if someone needs lunch. <laughs> yeah. <Me. laughs> Everyone knows when I need lunch or a fan. Yeah. Hi, gets too hot a lot. I get too hot. <laughs> yeah, that's a quote from our rehearsals. Oh, I'm hot. too hot. Too hot. I think as well, spending time as friends, like I think we got um trapped in like working all the time and I think we forgot that we're actually friends outside of the house so it's actually putting time aside to be like we're not going to work we're going to go to Weatherspoons and eat our way in burgers and talk I think yeah important. yeah yeah I think you know like that thing about working all the time I think sometimes distracts you actually from making work mm-hmm. because you get involved in this sort of weird bubble that you lose any objectivity and it sort of moves into having to create product rather than having to create. Mm-hmm. And I think we, as you all know, creating is complex at the best of times. Um, anything else that you found surprising or challenging? I actually think going, going to the, like the socializing situation, some of the most exciting creative conversations that we've had, I feel come from when you've met up just as mates, no business intended. And you're just sort of chatting on around the table. You're having a drink and then someone says something and then like about the cabaret, about an idea maybe. And it sparks off a whole conversation. And by the end of your time together, you've basically just had a meeting without realizing it and made decision X, Y, and Z and come up with all these fantastic ideas. Um, So even, even when we don't intend to work, when we meet up it can happen I think as well like I think how much um people are up like audiences are up for it has surprised us like our audiences not well because of us but also just because of the atmosphere that they're bringing and the energy that they bring have such a good night and like I, I think it surprises us how much they get behind certain numbers or like certain things that we do um and there's like such a need and want for people just to have a good night, like have a couple of drinks with a friend and watch some people dance around your nails to ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> I think we surprised ourselves as well, like how many concepts for like numbers or skits or bits of hosting has come from us just making each other laugh. I think like at one point we were like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we did a parody of Most Haunted? And then that was the entire setup for one of the bonbons. Of the projector broke, so no one's ever seen it. But <laughs> <laughs> it was so gutting. <laughs> but I stand by. I think it's one of the funniest things we've ever done. Um, because it made us laugh first, and then we had fun doing it, and then it developed. But yeah, and just figuring out what we do as a house. Like when we first started, we weren't massively sure. Um, and we started off by doing one house number of bonbons, but now we do two and then we all mix and match. And like, I think, especially when it comes to the dancers and putting a number together, it's like making sure everyone's comfortable. Um, and dealing. We all have varying ability yeah. when it comes to dance. <laughs> well, we all do it. And like, and also I'd like to think like we don't, it's not meant to be super polished. It's not meant to be like everyone doing everything the same. Like, the joy of it is that everyone interprets it their way and like to see six people dance together is what's nice rather than a technical. Like none of us are trained dancers, are we? Like... Well, I did two years of training, but you know, oh. I won't throw that out there. <laughs> but again, that comes back to persona again. It's like the interpretation of each dance, you know, uh, Cameron might be there, you know, sexing it up, making it really sexy and, and look, <laughs> you know, smashing and hot. I'll be a bubbly mess. It looks like I'm on something and bouncing around like a little bumblebee. Um, and then you've got Becky there with her tent shoulders like this, like, I don't know what I'm doing next. You know, it's everyone's interpretation. <laughs> it's not that, lads. It's not that. <laughs> <laughs> on that, I think when you're talking about, you know, audiences and their need and want to be, um, have a good night out. I think when we get out of this craziness, they're going to need a good night out. And uh, and I think on that, just like want to know what you've been up to for the last three weeks. And and 
if you've been doing anything around work at all or you've taken the moment just to actually uh, take a breath, have a pause, because um, I know there's an initial push for everybody to do something, you know, in the first two weeks. And uh, so I'm just interested, to, you know, to see how you guys have found it, about what you've been up to around bonbons, house of love, um, what's been going on, if anything. Not much. I think we were a bit like we all wanted. I think because bonbons happens quite regularly, like we all work off of that. Like we're either just done a bonbons, doing a bonbons or working towards one. So I think for us to suddenly go into a bit of a, a space where we're not doing anything difficult for all of us in terms of like just ourselves. Hmm. Um, you might have a bonbon this weekend, won't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to have um, a quiz night together instead, just so we're going to mourn the loss. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, what Very would have been a decades-themed no. quiz instead of a decades-themed bonbons? Yeah. Well, that's been postponed to spring, so we are doing it still. Um, but I think we've decided to um, work with, so our, I think you could call him a vid- videographer, is that? Videographer. Yeah, um, TJ Mob is like the, the visual person we work with. So we're working with them at the minute to kind of put together different clips to put out online of our best bits. Because um, obviously we can't live stream anything because we're all in different houses um, and some of us, like I think I have like one wig in the house. I don't, and like we don't have all our costumes and all our stuff. So it's how we can still be present online without having to live stream it. So I think, um, is it, yeah, we're starting next week. We're going to start releasing videos of like the Bonbons Cabaret best bits um, to kind of, I think we're kind of using it just to like celebrate everything we've done. I think because we've ran so quickly with the Bonbons and, whether that's doing it alphabet or like touring, it's actually nice to have a moment of looking back, reflecting on how far we've come and on all the cool stuff we've done and like show that off, I think. Yeah. And to also say to our audiences, like give them a wave and say, we're still here and, you know, we will be back. Um, because I think there's over this time as well, I think there's a lot of uncertainty. Um, that's surrounding the theatre industry and small companies and small organisations. And I think to be able just to put a few bits up that let our audiences know that we're here, we're present, we'll be back, um, you know, because there, you know, there may, unfortunately, may be some companies and some organisations that, you know, can't successfully get back on their feet after this or, you know, need need to do other things to get themselves sort of settled and more stable after this time. Um, but we'll be back with a vengeance. So <laughs> we've all been doing bits of costume and like stoning and gemming. Stuff, so we're going to look fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> if it's done, our costumes are going to be like 10 times better. <laughs> Outside of you know bonbons and the house of love, you're also uh, individual makers, uh, companies, uh, musicians, uh, and uh, why don't we start with uh, Rianne? And can you tell us a little bit about Mamory and her Lady Garden, please, Rianne? Oh well, um, <laughs> well Mamory's Lady Gardens, obviously, um, it was my solo show. I performed it at Northern Stage in uh, November. Um, I call it a self-help cabaret. Um, it's all about uh, virginity and all the, the societal like pressures put on that um, and how you deal with it. Um, I, haven't, I haven't got loads of plans for it currently. I, I do want to tour it. Um, but obviously <laughs> in this kind of environment at the minute, it's difficult. Um, and I haven't really got the headspace for it. Um, but I have, I did record it and uh, I've watched it and I've tried to um, take parts of it and develop them while I've been in these three weeks of lockdown, trying to carry on with it, keep it fresh in my mind. Um, I have thought about releasing parts of it um, online, but I haven't decided yet. Um, so it's very up in the air, but that's kind of, what I've been creating and doing. What was it like to make 
Um, Your first solo show? Well, considering it was the first thing, the first full structured thing that I'd made, it was definitely um, a shock (laughs) to the system when I was making it because I did not know how to make a show, uh, plain and simple. Um, I didn't know how to structure anything, uh, how to go about actually devising um, a, a show as a whole because I mainly work on like shortened pieces even from uni I'd that's how I'd kind of developed making shorter pieces for to go along with big varieties like in cabaret so when I was making it um with my director Caroline Liversidge um she was a huge help in the fact that she'd made so much work before she supported me and helped me create the thing that was just in my brain just actually get it out of my brain and make something that I enjoyed (laughs) making and I hope other people found it interesting and got something from it so that's the hardest thing, though, isn't it? Like something in your brain, how to get that out of your brain and put it on stage. I mean, that is like incredibly hard. Yeah, I that had sort it, of... I had a really clear vision of what I wanted it to be. Obviously, with limited funds, it's difficult to make this um, amazing world that you'd created in your brain. Um, but when I just talking about it, Caroline, kind of pulled it out of me and helped me fully realize it as a as a stage show rather than just my imagination yeah you know that's you know that's both you and caroline working together you know in collaboration you know about that push and pull of what it means to devise something and also the devising process which is like tiring and uh scary and um and you never know if you're going to complete it but you did and i think that's amazing. And that, you know, also from that, you know, you're part of this crew as well, um, making more work. Have you got any plans for anything else? Or are you just settling on that currently to see where that moves next? Well, there's all, there's always other projects just in the air around. You always, everybody you talk to, especially in uh, the Northeast performance community, you're like, oh, we should make a show together. Yeah, like this is what we should make. Like me and Hattie have talked a million times about making a piece and me and Anna Robinson we just we're all just up in the air trying to create work and we have so many ideas so there's always something up in the air um just yeah point of bonnets so you know drag me to love and she uh, plus multiple other things. Um, yeah, tell us about them. Tell us about those projects that you've been making. You're, you've made. You're thinking about moving the next one, which you're probably not because you just finished a cycle of Banshee, and so you need a, a bit of time to rest your brains. But yeah, talk us through those. In terms of body of the bonnets, I suppose if there was ever going to be a time for isolation to happen. Um, in terms of our timeline, this is the time. We're quite lucky in that respect that it's fallen when it has because we have naturally come to the end of our run of Anshi. So that's all wrapped up now. That's done. Um, So it's definitely come at a time where we, I feel, need to take a step back. And it's meant that we've not gone full throttle into the next project, maybe a little bit prematurely. Uh, without being able to sit back for a minute and just look back at what we've done and sort of moving forward. Although stuff is happening on the new project, it's just not going as quickly as maybe we would have gone without this isolation period. So if one of you two want to mention the next project. Do you think there is a pressure to keep making in the Northeast, generally in the industry, to be on that cycle of constantly making something? I think we found, oh, I think with our second show, yes. I think now we're moving on to our third one, no. I think um, I think because we made Drag Me To Love as part of a uni thing and then we never really 
expected it to be anything um and it became something and like we rode the wave of drag me to love for like far too long but it got us to where we we, we are i think whatever came it's like a tricky second album it's a bit like whatever you make next was always going to be tough um and i think because we worked with mxym on um and she as well with the sound and stuff i think we just wanted to try something that we'd never done before and step it up and see what else we could do um but i think we and she we've we've all had different tensions with that show like it's a very personal show it's very um current like the stories we talk about like we're still are living those lives with our mums and like um I think you said a while ago, Max, you were sort of saying, like, I think we learned so much in the making of Anshi that when it came to doing the show, we'd already done what we wanted it to do, kind of. Um, in the best way possible, I think we learned so much in terms of writing it and um, writing collectively as well, which we, like, Drag Me To Love was written collectively, but we had, like, a lead writer on it. It wasn't um, all three of us inputting on, like, a more equal thing so, and I've lost where no, but like, so then what are the things you've learned like what what are the things you've learned I think we've learned how we want to tackle subjects I think so drag me to love that is story-led whereas and she is um quite politically led like we knew we wanted to talk about femininity and motherhood and womanhood before we knew what stories we wanted to tell and I think we've learned that we don't want to work in that way like we want the stories that we want to tell to be the leading point. And if politics and wider subjects and universal issues and all that comes to it, um, then it comes into it. But I don't think we want that to be our thing going into making mm. a show. I think as well, the three of us, we've got three very, very different voices. Um, the way we write, the way we talk, the way we articulate, and especially when making a piece where ultimately we're being ourselves on stage or a version of ourselves on stage, it, it was really finding that that balance and finding a way to be, um, be what's the word I'm looking for? Honest? No, no, no. Be true to each other's voice and not try to um, make someone sound like, someone else so it all feels in the same world you know we're all from different backgrounds from different places and moving forward if we're ever um sort of on stage again as a version of ourselves um or telling our own stories I think we now know moving forward how to uh, stay true to ourselves and make sure that each one of us has um like it's a safe space to no filter sort of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. makes total sense. I'm sort of yeah, just blabbing totally. now. No, you're not blabbing at all. <laughs> we, we definitely learned a lot about how to all be in the room from scratch together because Drag Me To Love, we had a lead writer on it and that was brought into the room and then we all worked on it, got pulled apart and put back together again. But ultimately it was Cameron's story. So me, we always sort of felt that Cameron almost got like the... It was, it was always... They always had a narrative because it had been lived if that makes sense. Um, whereas with Anshi, because we had all this time with our mums and all the interviews and all our memories and all our experiences, it was putting together six lives, essentially, and trying to, to put that together in a way that said what we wanted it to say. And like storytelling-wise, it was a massive challenge and we learned so much. Um, and I think we're better for it. Um, but we've definitely learned a lot about the the stories that we want to tell and how we want to tell them, I think. So on that aspect of collaboration, you've also collaborated with Yoram Fanny on a, a live yeah. Christmas show. Uh, <laughs> how was that? Incredible. <laughs> we had such a good time. So such good. a good time. Yeah. Again, it's that, but again, that were like a lot of people in a room. Yeah. yeah. So learning about how, how we work um, as a three, but also how as individuals we work as part of a bigger group um but also like i think because obviously your aunt fanny are a comedy group bonnie and the bonnet said we do comedy but we wouldn't say we're a comedy group i think 
doing that show we learned a lot about what um our humor is and like how we like what we bring to put against your aunt fanny's humor and like but i think that was the first time people have seen us do characters as opposed to versions of ourselves i think yeah really Cameron, what about Wank Buddies in isolation for you? How was, how was Wank Buddies working with Jake? Jarrett? Um, I think, so we just decided we're not going to postpone the show. So we had four dates, the tour left. Um, and we and they were only going to be postponed until next year. So we've decided, like, carrying a show for that amount of time is a lot. Um, and, like, it would be nice to kind of, I think we're just drawing a line under it. You know, we did the show originally for live um, as part of Elevator Festival. And then we worked on the show again, um, bringing in different people. So we had Melanie Rashbuck as director, um, MXYM was sound designer again. Again, show. again. Um, yeah, we keep getting you in Booked and blessed. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think just developing that show into a, what we originally wanted, but having the team to do it, um, and I, I think me and Jake, I'll speak for both of us saying like we found a duo that works. Um, and so even though the show's not going to carry on from this point, I'm sure me and Jake will make some again at some point. Like I think once you find a bit like the house and a bit like Bunny the Bonnet, it's like if you find them things that work, you've got to stick with it and roll with it. What about you, Max? MXYM. I know you just released um, a single this week. I have just released a single, and it's, and doing, it's doing quite it's, nicely as well. It's doing quite nicely. Yesterday, yeah. I had over five and a half thousand downloads, and I don't know where where it is today. But um, um, well, once I reached um, past five k, I stopped looking because it's oh, it's horrible to wake up every day and to like look at how many more like streams you've got because it's never going to be what you want. Um, but I got more than what I wanted this time, so I'm just not going to look at it ever again. Um, <laughs> But yeah, my new single, 16, available now on all music platforms. Um, it's very good, I'd say so. And so, what, what has it been like for you, Max, um, working on theatre shows, making your own music? Uh, how's that been in the last sort of, what, three years you've been making? I know longer than that, but as in sort of, you well, know... About three years. Um, it's weird because I'm a musician and I write songs for myself and that's literally like me writing my brain and then putting that to music. Um, but then when you do something like Anchi, you're not writing your brain, you're writing Cameron's brain, writing his mum's story. Um, and that's, that's like, a, it's a lot of pressure, um, which is like, it's good for your head to not get comfortable and put yourself under that pressure. Um, but it's, it's a very, very different experience. Um, but like, it's a fun one. It's a different one. Um, I really, really enjoyed working, not to put Anchi on a downer, but I really enjoyed working on Lady Garden. Um, like I think I think Anchi is some of the best songs I've ever written. Like Angst is a song that I never would have wrote, but it's probably one of the best songs that I and the Bonnets have ever made. It's so good. Such a bop. It's such a bop. But, um, but Lady Garden, it's like the song that we wrote for that has like a nineties house breakdown. That's like a Madonna Vogue rap of different names for vaginas. And it's like, when in the hell are you going to write a song? That's just listing off slang for vaginas. <laughs> and it's, it, and it's honest, like I listen to that quite frequently. Cause I think it's one of the best things I've ever produced. It's, like, <laughs> it's just so dumb, but so smart and clever. And like, and I can't take full credit for that because uh, Rihanna and Caroline, wrote the lyrics and then I just tweaked it so it actually made sense but then working on like Wank Buddies that's like a totally different ball game because that's not music that's like sound and I I don't understand sound I make sounds but I don't know how it just happened um and it's like because people keep employing you yeah well that, that's their problem not mine <laughs> sorry for him <laughs> not on me that is not on me um yeah but and then you're going to be in the next one, so... So, yeah, so then for the, the, the Bonnets' next show, I, I'm going to be in 
We're just using you, Mark. That's all we're doing. We're working you. I mean, if there's payment involved, use me as much as you want. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was something I, I was, you know, uh, want, or expect, or, you know, part of it, when I came in briefly, it's very early doors for an R&D that have a new on stage, I think, playing live around Anshi, which I know it's not potentially not going to happen, but I think having that extra element to it would have been, like, knockout. Um Anything else you got going on, Max? It's it's weird because I had lo- I had loads of plans, and now none of them are really going to come correct. Like I had a I had another single planned for August, um, which I'm not going to put out now because I won't be able to film a video for it, and I don't I kind of don't want to compromise on that fact of like do something halfway when I could put it off a bit further and do it how I want to do it. Um, so it's like I've already cancelled one single. Um, trying to figure out what to do next. The 16 music video is going to be delayed because I can't work in the room with um, TJ Mom, so that's going to take longer. So now I'm working on my March, April, May, whatever next month is. I'm working on that thing to bring forward to this month. So I'm like working on that earlier than expected. I had a music video planned out for Feast that obviously can't be made now. Um, so I don't know when that's going to happen. Um, so it's like trying to figure out this full year's plan and then try and figure out a plan that you don't know if will be planned or not because Lord knows where we're going to be next week that is the thing you know I think that working with every day is a new day which I know it sounds ridiculous but it's a new challenge it's a new thing that's moved on about where we are in the world and how the world's shaping itself and I think we're all dealing with something that you know Hopefully, will never happen again in our lifetime. And but also, hopefully, that we take time to uh, take a moment and, you know, as Hattie said, have a break, have a think, uh, take stock of what what you've achieved and where you might go next. Uh, Hattie, yeah. uh, what, have you, what have you been up to? Um, I've been doing a lot of singing. Oh God, Jenny Winter, yes, that's on my list. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of singing, so I'm putting out a video each day. On my social media, um, and every Tuesday I do two tune Tuesday, so it's two songs for the price of one, which is free because I'm nice. <laughs> <laughs> I earn nothing, just your joy and your love and your laughter. Thank you. Um, and on Mondays I do live streaming, so I do a little gig every Monday evening from the comfort of my own home. Um, and yeah, Jenny Winter also does her musical theatre cabaret on Sunday nights. And I work alongside Jenny. So she curates and accompanies the musical theatre cabaret, um, which started off at Prohibition Bar and has now sort of moved over to Northern Stage uh, for the time being. Um, so obviously that won't be happening in May, but we are still in constant communication and supporting one another and um, I know that Jenny and I are also in talks about hopefully at some point writing a musical, but that won't be happening um, until after this. Uh, but fingers crossed it will happen. So, yeah, that's what I've been up Amazing. to. A lot of singing. <laughs> Forever singing. That's all you do anyway, Harry. This, this I mean, is it is really. But I needed something. Honestly, I, I would have gone crazy. I needed something. The only difference is you're showing people this time. Yeah. <laughs> that is literally. That is literally it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. So that's me. Becky, what about you? Um, mainly, I've been writing the new Bonnie and the Bonnets show. Yeah. So it's called I Died in a Mosh Pit, and it is based on uh, me running a little bit riot round Leeds back in the day. So when I was like 14 to 17 years old, um, going to like all the punk gigs and getting involved with the sort of the scene there. And we've sort of, the tagline we've got for it is that it's a... Cracking tagline. <laughs> it's a lesbian coming of age story from the mosh pits of the Leeds underground punk scene. Um, so mainly just been been writing that and getting involved with the characters uh, get into grips with the story and what we want to say and what we want to do and it is so much fun I'm so excited <laughs> to actually I mean, we're doing it in um, us in the 620 which is Melanie Rashbrook um, which I'm buzzing about because the way they do gig theatre and live the way they incorporate live music with the stuff that they do is just amazing um, and to be able to work with 
Melanie and the 620 on a show about about gigs is lush. I'm so excited. Um, but yeah, that's mainly been been it. And that's a new way of working as well yeah. for B&Bs. Because I think we forget that Becky's degree is in script writing. Like that's what she's trained in. So we were kind of, we spoke a while for having, we wanted to give you the chance to be the lead writer and like for you to write, pretty much write the full show. Yeah. Like we live together. So it's a bit like I come downstairs. I'm like, I've had an idea. This is what, but like you are the lead writer on it. And like, I think it's nice for you to get the chance to just sit and write. It's lovely. I'm really enjoying it. The characters are all so dumb because I, I love them. I think de- um, the show Dairy Girls on Channel 4, um, I, one thing I love about that is just how they are such teenagers. Um, they're such idiots. They're so naive and clueless. Um, and I love writing that, for, especially knowing that it's going to be us that's doing it. I'm very much enjoying the sheer idiocy and naivety of being 16. Um, and writing that in a in a like in a place that's so political and loud and angry, um, to just have five teenagers running about is um, it's a lot of fun. If you could give us uh, one thing you've been listening to, reading, or watching, uh, just one each, that would be grand. Um, so I can add it to my list, and also people that are listening can add it to their lists. Oh, I don't know which one. There's two. Well, go on, do two. Okay, re-watch Vicar of Dibley or watch it for the first time if you've never watched it. <laughs> oh, I just love it. Oh, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yes. That's what it's about. Yeah. Actually, the best show on television. So representative, so hilarious, full of heart. There we go. They're my recommendations, Mark. Maybe, thank you, Hattie. Maybe not Dibley. Anyone else? Um, I've been doing a lot of fringing with costumes at minute, so I'm in like a country vibe. So okay. there's a film called Wild Rose. It's got um, what's she called? Julie Walters in it. Fantastic. So it, that's a film called Wild Rose, but the soundtrack is sung by a lass called Jeff uh, Jesse Buckley. Soundtrack's lovely. I have it on the kitchen, and I think I'm a country and western singer. So <laughs> there you go. As the person who often walks into the kitchen while he's doing that, can confirm. Uh, you sing along as well. You come in other <laughs> days like, this is bloody lovely. Do, so don't yes. start. No, I do. I never said I do. The, uh, I've been watching Feel Good on Channel 4. It's May Martin. And it's got Lisa Kudrow in it, who most people know as Phoebe from Friends and Charlotte Ritchie. Um, and it is so funny and heartbreaking and glorious. Heartily recommend. Definitely watch that. So also, Lorinda recommended that to me the other day. Anyone else? Uh, I've been watching On My Block on Netflix. Uh, it's great. Um, that's mainly what I have to say about it. Uh, and I think everyone should watch it. Yeah. Right. Just plain and simple. What's it called? On My Block. On My Block. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> on My Block. <laughs> I'll add it to my list. Please do. I've been... Um, listening to a lot of Nina Hagen, who is the godmother of punk. She's a German, like, operatic pop punk woman from, she started in the 70s, but then she went through the 80s. She did a lot of drugs. She's like Kate Bush on acid. Um, she has, the, she, has a, she does a version of My Way, like the Frank Sinatra classic, um, but it's like this absolutely intense German punk hardcore woman it's it's one of the greatest moments in music history. Um, so yeah, I'm like I'm deep into a Nina Hagen rabbit hole now. Everyone listen to My Way by Nina Hagen. <sighs> I'll write it down. Well, there you go. And Hannah Montana. Everyone watch Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I expected you to say, Max. I love Hannah Montana. <laughs> <laughs> so does my child. She was Hannah Montana as well. What a total pleasure it was to speak to the House of Love about the Bonbons Cabaret and other work they're creating, and how much they constantly think about the audience when making work. I think we're all going to need a night with the Bonbons when we get out of this. 
if you do get a chance to see any of the work mentioned in this podcast once we get back into our theatres, then we highly recommend spending some time with this team of brilliant makers. Our thanks to the House of Love and all their collaborators who they talk about. Thank you to Johnny Rothwell for editing this podcast, to Mark Melville and MXYM for providing the music. Also, thank you to you for taking the time to listen. We really appreciate it. Please do take a look at the show notes with the links to all the useful resources and websites that we talked about. Stay safe, and we can't wait to see you all soon.